ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. If so, if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us at SF Diocese and use the hashtag ignition. If you don't know what Twitter is or Twitter handles are or hashtags, that's okay. Just email us. Um, and we would be happy to hear from you and, and we'd welcome your feedback. Uh, across the table in the recording studio from me today is Father Joseph Schulten. Hello, Father. Hello. Uh, in case no somebody by some chance has never listened to Ignition before, recent episodes at least, would you mind introducing, introducing yourself a bit to our audience? Absolutely, yeah. I'm Father Joseph Schulten. I'm a priest for our diocese, the best diocese Amen. of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, I've been a priest for a year and some months. I serve at St. Lambert Parish and O'Gorman Catholic High School. From Sioux Falls originally? Indeed. Studied where for seminary? I, uh, I studied four years in St. Paul and then four years in Rome. And where in Rome? <laughs> we have a thing. Father I'm and I sorry. have a thing. <laughs> Listeners. I'm trying to produce content here. I, Father wants to get on. I, 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 like, I like the... I, Father, Father... I Shulton. studied with the Jesuits the, at the Gregorian University, see, which numbers among its alumni notable <laughs> blesseds and saints throughout the centuries. Wow. I know what you're doing there. I'm going to let it go. Uh, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I attended the Angelicum um, in Rome for my graduate studies. Um which counts among its alum, St. John Paul II of, of uh, um, fond memory. <laughs> I was going to say Poland, in case you didn't remember. I can tell he's very dear to your heart, he, fellow alumna. He is indeed. Uh, we love you, St. John Paul II. So, so uh, I know, Father, that you, you, you have a distaste for the inane banter that, uh, <laughs> that often begins ignition. So we will skip past. Oh, just, just bypassing the banter. Just bypass the banter. There it goes. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're going to move straight on yep. to our content. We're so, definitely not, uh, <laughs> not Catholic stuff you should know. <laughs> we, Sorry. We don't have time. We don't I like time. Catholic stuff you should know. I know. I know. They just, Lots of people do. You know. It's, now, because we're on the radio too, though, right? We, we got to respect our listeners' freedom and, the, right. and and the programmers' desire for a you're, scheduled you're, show. You're driving. You've just taken your you taking your exit. You're wondering if they're going to ever start talking about things by the time you get to work. We understand. <laughs> we're, we're not that way usually. Sometimes. <laughs> so, Father, you and I have been um, for uh, this is the sixth episode in uh, a series that you and I have been doing on The Case for Jesus, a fantastic book by doc Dr. Brant Petrie, uh, who teaches in Louisiana. I can't remember which seminary in particular, but teaches at seminary in Louisiana. Do you know which seminary? St. Ben's. So is it St. Ben's? Or St. Joseph's. 
I think St. Joseph's sounds yeah. more right. I to think me. they're sort of the same place, but St. Joseph okay. Seminary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, scripture scholar, written a number of great books. Um, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary is about to come out in a couple weeks from when we're recording this. So, uh, but the one we're talking about today and part of this series is the case for Jesus. And Father, before we went on the air, I asked you a little pop quiz. I asked if you knew what midrash was, and it's gave right. me very a complete and concise definition. That's right. Uh, it's not a medical condition. It's not Don't a worry. <laughs> this is nothing uh, untoward here. Uh, a midrash is a rabbinical commentary on the Jewish scriptures, mostly the, the Torah. So commentary expounding on the, the stories and the laws, et cetera, that are contained in what we know as the Old Testament. Yeah, and, and, and the why I brought that up, Father, before we start recording, why I'm bringing it up now is I feel like that's kind of what you and I are doing um, in this series with Bent. Brant Petrie's book, The Case for Jesus. No, his book is not inspired, and no, we're not Jewish rabbis, no. but we're offering commentary on a fantastic book. You know, somebody asked me if I was a rabbi once. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said no, because I'm not. How? But I said my boss is Jewish. <laughs> yes. I didn't say that, but they did ask me. <clears throat> well, okay. Once. Yeah. No, no, you're not. Um so we're we're offering sort of a commentary on this book and riffing off of it, much as much as Jewish midrash would. I don't think they said they riffed on sacred scripture, but that's basically <laughs> what they would do. So, uh, and then the reason this this is in my head because I'm reading a book by Dr. Peter Kraft, mm-hmm. um, in which he is. Um, it's basically he's offering commentary and he uses the term midrash on um, Blaise, Pas- Blaise Pascal's b- or book notes called, um, well, I think it's Pensaw in, I don't know, in Prensais is what it looks uh-huh. like to me. But in French, I think it's Pensaw or something like that. Anyway, his, this this book that he never completed. And Kraft talks about how we're, so often the cult of the new and original. Sometimes it's just good to comment on the the greats, and I feel like that's what you and I are doing in this series. Hey, so, what's the what? I just like briefly, in case somebody hasn't listened to the previous episodes in this series, Father, like one minute or less. What's this book about? Absolutely. Brent Petrie wrote this book uh, in order to answer a fundamental question: Did Jesus claim to be God? Mm. Did Jesus of Nazareth, the man uh, who we know, whom we know from? Various historical sources lived in the first century in uh, in Palestine. Did he uh, claim to be God through his words, through his actions? Um, that's disputed because there's uh, because in modernity we see different scholarship that tries to uh, tries to demonstrate that the Gospels are not historical documents and can't mm-hmm. be relied on. Um, not just uh, not just that they're false, but that they're not even intending to. Uh, to present what they say as actual history, as right. historical fact. And so um, this book is aimed at showing how the Gospels are, are historically reliable documents. They're intended as uh, ancient biography and uh, were understood as such for the earliest centuries of, of uh, Christianity. So, so it, it, it's it's to boltress the traditional Christian claims about first about Jesus, but but relatedly, very closely related about the Gospels as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So we've made our way through um, the first seven chapters. Uh, is it is it possible? I don't care if it's possible or not. I want you to do it. Uh, <laughs> could, you, could you? Would it be possible just to briefly summarize what we've covered uh, in previous episodes, Father, through the first seven chapters? Absolutely. Yeah, we've raised uh, raised that question. We sort of presented the case and where things stand now and how a lot of scholarship sees uh, or has tried to see the the gospels as uh, you know myth or folklore something along those lines mm-hmm. presenting alternative models to the gospels mm-hmm. than 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 history and showing how those fall short and how the gospels fit the model of ancient biographies um, we have gone through each of the four gospel writers and showed their connection to Jesus, two of them being his apostles, Matthew and John, and two of them being um, people closely, men closely associated with the apostles, Luke, of course, with the uh, with the apostle Paul, and then Mark with the apostle Peter, and we know that from outside early Christian testimony. Uh, we've gone through the dating of the gospels, uh, showing that it makes most sense to assume an early date for the writing of the synoptic gospels. And that's based on the evidence of the destruction of the temple and how certain passages in the gospels don't make a lot of sense. uh, If the temple is still, um, if the temple has not, excuse me, certain passages don't make a lot of sense if the temple is already destroyed, you know, Jesus warning people about the coming destruction and then certain, uh, certain, Enjoinders that he that he gives to people, which wouldn't need to be included if the temple were no longer standing. So, um, that's all based on a on the historical event of the destruction of the Jerusalem temple. Um, so we've gone through the dates. You know that the Gospels are pretty early biographies of of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to move more into what the Gospels. So now that we've shown that they're reliable. Testimony. What do they actually say? What's their testimony the about this? Okay. About this man. Okay. So let's dive in there. What's what's this? I think we're in chapter eight in the book now. What's this chapter about? Want to get us into the content here? Absolutely. Yeah. Chapter eight uh, is called Jesus and the Jewish Messiah, uh, which is kind of an interesting title, you know, because Jesus, we all believe, is the Jewish Messiah. So it's not like he's sort of. Paralleling these two. Here's Jesus and here's the Jewish Messiah. No, Jesus, the person, the man, is the fulfillment of this office of of Messiah, the Mashiach, I think. Uh, I I don't know. I think you're right. As long as you got to get that, like, Mashiach, you know? Yeah. 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 So the Mashiach, that's Jesus. Um, And at this point, Catholic stuff you should know is just deriding us because they actually have Hebrew scholars and stuff. (laughs) That's okay. If you listen to our podcast, Father Mike, it's at all. Uh, we love you guys. So, uh, Jesus and the Jewish Messiah. And so, what we want to look at is who is the Messiah or what is the Messiah? What does that mean? Where does it come from? What do people expect in a Messiah? And then how does Jesus fulfill that? How does Jesus present himself mm-hmm. as this, this Messiah? Okay. So it's important to note as we start off that uh, that the word Messiah uh, is in Greek much more familiar to us. Right, yeah. right. Uh, it's a word that Catholics that are at Mass, uh, certainly other Christians use very often and the, because Messiah in Greek is, is Christ. 
Christos. Or Christos, um, which is where we get the word Christ. Right. Right. That Jesus Christ. So whenever you're saying Jesus Christ, uh, you're you're saying Jesus Messiah. And and what does all of that mean? Where does it, you know, if we were to put it all into English, what does Messiah, what does Christ mean? It means anointed. Right. Right. Oily one. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, it does. That's it. That's what the Christ means. You know, think like Crisco oil. You know, it's not a coincidence. Wow. Yeah. Good point. Now you're going to remember it. Wow. See. Yep. So, so why? Like, you know, the Jesus oily one. Why are we saying this? What What's the claim? What, what are they expecting in the Messiah, the Anointed One? Um, well, who's oily in Jewish religion in the Old Testament? Who King, gets anointed? Kings, priests, and prophets. Yes. Yeah, there evi- there's evidence of all of those different figures at different points in the Old Testament being anointed, right? So this is a religious ceremony, a spiritual ceremony showing God's election, God choosing an individual, and that's signified by uh, by that person being o- anointed. You know, they get a bunch of oil dumped on their head, right? Yep. Um, it's how it worked. And so uh, the Christ is is in the general sense, a, a Christ is a Messiah, is one that's anointed. Uh, but, but the Jewish people at the time of Jesus are expecting a very specific anointed one, a very specific Messiah. And that's an essential claim of the early Christians, of early Christian preaching. You know, in Acts 4, Peter and John, two of Jesus' followers, uh, explain that uh, they're preaching, and I'll just I'll just read through it. They're quoting Psalm two, which was seen as this messianic psalm, a psalm predicting the coming of a new anointed one, a new Messiah. And they say, "For truly, in this city here in Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel." So they identify God's holy servant Jesus with the anointed one, that is the Christ, foretold in, in the second psalm. And then when earlier in Jesus' own lifetime, uh, he's gathering, he's starting to gather a, a following and two of the disciples of John the Baptist leave John the Baptist to follow Jesus. And one of those is Andrew. Mm-hmm. Of course, and Andrew famously goes to get his brother Peter. And what does he tell him about this man that he's met? He says, we have found the Messiah. Right, the right. anointed one. So clearly there's this expectation, this longing uh, among the among the people of Israel, and when they meet Jesus, certain people recognize the fulfillment in Him. Right. When the angels uh, appear to the shepherds, to you it is born in this day, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord Christ, the Lord. And I think I just want to interject there. I think it's important to connect two dots right there in that example. Um, today he was b- born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. So David, I think probably is one of the great, exa- if not the greatest, one of the greatest examples of an anointed one in the Old Testament. Absolutely, yeah. And we're uh, you're probably familiar with, with the uh, scene from the first book of Kings in which David... Samuel. Sorry, first Samuel. Uh, in which David is anointed, you know... Um, Prophet Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse, and then one by one, Jesse brings him his sons, and Jesse says, nope, not him, not him, not him, not him. And then finally, well, there's one more, This, you know, there's kind of the runt, he's out tending the sheep, and they say, bring, he says, bring him. 
And then the Lord reveals that he's the one that Samuel, the prophet, is to anoint as the next next king of Israel. And of right. course, David becomes the greatest king Israel has ever known. Right. And so the Messiah, that's the, that's, the, that's the essential thing to recognize about this Messiah that they're expecting at the time of Jesus. They're expecting a ruler like David. They're right. expecting a great king yep. that God himself will choose and give to them. Yep. So, okay, so this, that's who we're looking for. Um, that's who they're expecting, and that's the, the, the Jewish claim, uh, the, the Christian claim, rather, that Jesus is fulfilling it. But why don't we talk more about uh, the expectation that's coming? So we just talked about that now with David. Earlier, um, we mentioned how it's priests, prophets, and kings who are all the ones who are um, uh, old examples of people who are anointed in the Old Testament. So besides David, what are some, what are some other notable examples of uh, Father from the Old Testament of those who are who are messiahs in this sort of lowercase M sense. Yeah, kind of a general way. Yeah. Um, Aaron as the as the first high priest of the people of Israel. You know, Moses goes through. Um, I think it's in uh, Exodus and Leviticus. It's recorded how how Aaron is to be anointed along with his sons for priestly service, right? right? To to offer sacrifice to God, to offer right worship to God in the desert. And then that's continued later on uh, by the priests in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, the prophet Elisha uh, is anointed by Elijah to succeed him as his successor in the right. prophetic office. So one who speaks for God, that's also a characteristic of, of being a Messiah is, is speaking the words of God to the people. And so whether it's as a king or as a prophet or a priest, the role is sacred. Right. You know, the role is, is, is involved with uh, with divinity, you know, either either ruling God's people in His name, following His commands, or speaking His words, uh, His rebukes, or His consolations to His people, or offering sacrifice to Him, offering Him right worship and praise on behalf of the people. That's that's the so the functions of the Messiah. So, uh, why were Jewish people expecting? A, right. a new Messiah. Where does this all come from? That's, <clears throat> right. that's kind of an important okay. question. You know, we, we have this sense of, of expectation, but um, but where you know who's telling them there's another Messiah coming? What's going right. on there? Right. Um, and I think that's important because we uh, it's it's a question that seems pretty obvious, but isn't raised very often. Right. You know, you hear right. a lot that oh yeah, Jews. Jews um, Jews at the time of Jesus in the first century were expecting a Messiah and all of that and. And uh, clearly there was a lot of fervor around Jesus for those who thought he was the Messiah. But why were they looking for one in the first place? Do you have any thoughts about that? I have no idea. <laughs> Great. Well, Brant Petrie comes to the rescue with his uh, adroit scripture scholarship. And, yes, indeed. Uh, and really draws out the, the messianic prophecies. Okay. You know, um, there are a number of, of messianic prophecies he focuses on a few from Daniel um, that were, that uh, concern the when of uh, of his arrival. Before we get to that, though, just a brief word about where people were expecting this new Messiah to come from. Okay. Yep. Right. Because um, remember, when Jesus is born, uh, who shows up unexpectedly? Shepherds. Shepherds show up, yes. So the angels had appeared to the shepherds in the field. You know, today's born again, oh, city of David, oh, oh, oh. Christ the Lord. The major. They're kind of, they're kind of, you know, like okay, this is a local Jewish block party, but 
<laughs> is, it the, is it the Magi that you're thinking yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, the Magi, you know, commonly known as the as the, the wise men or the three kings, but scripture calls them the Magi, which, which were the, was this sort of um, educated uh, educated class, but also connected with, with astrology, astronomy, and Persia. Um, the Magi arrive and they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Um, that's Luke 2.2. 2. So they don't say Messiah or Christ. Uh, they don't have that terminology. They don't have mm-hmm. the terminology of the anointed one in their tradition. Uh, but there is uh, something that's pointing them to Israel, to the to the Jewish people. Right. Uh, something that indicates to them that there is a, there's a great ruler that's just been born. And Herod... Know, of Jewish background himself, Herod understands them as referring to the Messiah, mm-hmm. right? So he has this understanding that there's going to be a new ruler, a new son of David, a new anointed one, one who speaks for God, rules the people on behalf of God. And so he gets together the the scribes, the educated uh, class of, of Jerusalem, and what does he ask them? To ascertain where the Messiah was to be born, right? Where Where the Christ is to be born. So clearly... Herod understands this is about the Messiah. And they tell him, Bethlehem. Right? Everybody knows that. The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Okay. And they're quoting there, uh, they're quoting there Micah 5.2. It's also Old Testament Old prophet. Testament prophecy. Right. So so what we what we're seeing here is an example of how um well, Jesus' birth is the fulfillment of what we find in the Old Testament. Do you have exact five, five yeah. two? Um, the the full text is, but you will Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. And it goes on, and more in this passage refers to Jesus as well. But, um, but this is the passage that, they, that comes to mind from this prophet, uh, the late prophet Micah, about the coming ruler of Israel. And so it's, it's known at the time that the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. And this was a common belief that was understood. It actually became a difficulty for some as Jesus grows up and... and uh, and begins his public ministry because they assumed he had, hadn't been born in Bethlehem. He had been born in Nazareth. Right. That was the assumption. You know, um, I'm, I'm from Sioux Falls. I was born in Sioux Falls. I grew up here and everything. But it's kind of like if I, you know, if I'd actually been born in, uh, in Milwaukee or something and my parents moved here when I was two. Right. Right. Uh, if nobody knew and you didn't, you know, if you, if you'd known me since I was a, a toddler, then you would just assume that I, you know, I was, was born in the place where I grew up, which wasn't the case for Jesus. But uh, as evidence of that, in John 7, Jesus is in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, on the last day, he stands up, invites anyone who thirsts to come to him and drink. And then John tells us, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this is really the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ, right? So, so people are believing you know, hearing Jesus and, and recognizing, oh, this is the Messiah. But some said, it goes on to say, but some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Right. Has not the scripture said that the Christ is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Right? So um, so John reports this objection some people had uh, that 
Oh, Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. So all that to say, it's really clear that they expected a ruler to come from Bethlehem. Right, right. Which is, in fact, as Luke tells us, where Jesus was born. So I know, Father, that we were when we will get to um, the when. So that's that's where they expected the Messiah to come from. The when is foretold in Daniel, but I w- we're going to wait till the next episode on that. Just the last about three minutes we have or so, Father. Just we touched on this a little bit already, but talk a little bit more about what people were expecting as the Messiah, um, because they're they were expecting the Messiah to come, but their 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 I don't know expectations were high but they were confused uh, a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, some, um, and a lot of it has to do with uh, with the political role of the Messiah, um, because in these prophecies, um, the Messiah is cast in in political terms. The one we just read from uh, from Micah, you know, a ruler who mm-hmm. is to to shepherd my people Israel. And so, you think rulers, you're naturally going to think kings, leaders of the nation, that sort of thing. Uh, and then the prophecies from Daniel, which we'll look at next time, really involve uh, involve Israel's situation um, with regard to the other surrounding nations and empires. Israel is is a little fish in a big pond politically, right? right, right? It's right. surrounded by these bigger empires and kingdoms that are jostling for power, and uh, and Israel, of course, being a part of that, right there in the in the. Fertile Crescent is sort of at the crossroads between different civilizations, and so they're getting invaded a lot. And we'll get into the details next time. But um, but when they, you know, when, when a prophecy comes that there's going to be this ruler who's going to put the nations in their place, uh, naturally people expect uh, a political leader, right. someone you know who might raise an army, you know, uh, organize defenses, organize a revolution against uh, against the the reigning uh, invaders. Which at the time of Jesus were the were the Romans. Um, there were also uh, there there also wasn't entirely agreement about how many messiahs there were. You know, okay. there's a community called the Essenes in the desert, and they were expecting two different messiahs: one more priestly, one more political. Okay. Um, so so it's not until Jesus Himself appears the reality uh, that that the prophecies all come together and it makes sense in one figure in this man. Although in a way, admittedly, that nobody expected until it happened. Okay. Okay. So this is sort of like the first part of, of uh, our discussion on Jesus and the Jewish Messiah. And, w- and we'll finish up next time, but just in the minute or so we have left, Father, bottom line, what we've said so far about this reality of Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. Right. Uh, Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ, is an essential part of the Christian claim from the from the earliest Christian preaching on. Um, and so, to know Christ better, uh, we would do well to dig into what uh, what being the Messiah entails, what that means, what that title that we use all the time uh, really is about. Right. You know, if you uh, if you love someone, you want to get to know them better. Amen. And so the the word Christ, Messiah, reveals an essential element of, of who Jesus is as God's chosen one, his anointed priest, prophet, and king uh, over his people Israel and over the, the people of the new Israel whom he has gathered to himself in the church. Great.
So I, I think just as listeners as, as looking forward to this next episode, um, it's important to see, and we'll talk about this also more in the next episode, that the, the Old Testament is an essential part of the Bible is another dimension of what we're talking about here. Jesus is fulfilling an expectation that was already there for the Messiah. And we'll talk about this more next time, but that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us at sfdiocese, use the hashtag technician with thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.